Hello and welcome to episode 73 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host, Fergal Trainer. A lot of news out lately about heavy metal. Ozzy Osbourne has apparently retired from touring. Finally cancelled that European tour with Judas Priest supporting that's been announced since 2018, I think. I took a refund on my ticket a long time ago because I didn't think it was going to happen, but it's definitely newsworthy. Um, Iron Maiden are up for nomination for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame again. We all know uh, that they didn't get selected last time, but maybe with Judas Priest entering in to the Hall last year, they'll make the cut this time around. Maybe you don't care about that at all. Uh, but uh, there's some interesting festivals coming up this year as well, uh, a couple of which I'm going to, more that I'm eyeing up. And there's been some very interesting new metal releases that I enjoyed last year and some early this year as well. I want to talk about all that. And I don't tend to do that anymore at the start of my episodes, but I used to, and I miss doing that. So next time I speak to you, I'm going to cover off some news, some interesting releases, and some stuff about festivals. And it's going to be one of those types of episodes that I haven't done in a very long time. So you can look out for that one coming up, episode 74. But this episode is an interview with someone I've wanted to speak to for a very long time. Uh, Well, not very long, maybe a year or over a year. And um, I didn't really try to strongly contact this person but uh i eventually went through um one of my guests fart who was on the episode a few weeks ago there a fart heard around the world and it has been heard around the world it's been very popular and he um he uh, contacted ollie on my behalf so this is oliver weinsheimer who fart already knew having been at keep it true many many times and he contacted Ali on my behalf and put the interview together, kind of, pretty much. So thanks to Fart for that. Um, he made the introductions anyway, which made it a lot easier to ask somebody to be on a podcast. And uh, yeah, this is my interview I did with Ali a few weeks ago. So it's been sitting in the can for a few weeks while I released a series of Irish-related episodes. And this is one of the favourite interviews, one of my favourite interviews even, that I've ever done. So I hope you enjoy it. I did cover a lot of ground in it. Uh, We talked about the start of the Keep It True Festival, the exhausting work that went into the first few years, having two festivals per year, um, how he negotiates with bands, often playing exclusive sets or reuniting bands like Heavy Load. And I asked some more difficult questions like the public uh, spat that he had with the band Sphinx in January of 2022 and falling out with Jason Tarpey from Eternal Champion as a result. And um, various other things as well came up in that chat. So here it is. It's from a few weeks ago now, but this is recorded, I'd say, early January, mid-January 2023. And yeah, I hope you like it. This is Oliver Weinsheimer, or Oli, who organizes Keep It True and many other German festivals. How are you doing? How's uh, how's your January? How was your Christmas? Oh, well, it's very busy, actually, because... Uh... In one week, uh, we have another festival called uh, Hammer and Iron Yeah, uh, in Essen, in the Tura, mm. and it's sold out, and uh, we are preparing this right now. And uh, also, of course, we have to prepare the, the kit in April. Mm. And we are planning other stuff uh, already, too, which I cannot talk yet about it, but mm. uh, many people will like it. And of course, I also uh, um, prepare Keep It True in 2024, so it's never getting boring here. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah, okay, so a lot of stuff going on there. You did also leak a little bit of information that uh, Keep It True Rising 3 will be happening as well uh, in 2023. Yes, but uh, unfortunately, I cannot tell anything yet about it. 
because uh, we still have to uh, wait for the the supposed venue um, to give us green light for it, but uh, it will for sure happen. But uh, I cannot officially announce anything yet. That's the problem. Don't worry, I'm not looking for any uh, unannounced information or anything like that. So uh, the post hall is no more. It's it's gone from this year, is it? Uh, oh, well, we will see. Um, the chances are not over yet. Uh, we okay. are still fighting for it. Right. But um, it's it's still up in the air. The last work is not uh, spoken yet. So okay. we just have to wait and see what will happen. All right. Well, that's fair enough. Okay. Fingers crossed that you might get one more year out of it. Um, just to give myself an introduction, I went to my first Keep It True, which was Keep It True Rising back in November 2021. And I went to the second Keep It True Rising back in September slash October last year. It was a festival that was, it was something that I wanted to go to for several years, but I didn't pull the trigger until Keep It True Rising was announced. But it was something that I was interested in for several years and actually having gone to it, I'm so glad that I did. And I know that I will go to many more in the future because it's a festival unlike any other I've ever been to. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's a quite different to all the other usual festivals and uh, there's a different atmosphere there. And uh, I would even say a different audience than at the usual festivals uh, on the festival circuit in Europe. And um, yeah, we try always uh, be to be a little bit different uh, and a little bit, uh, I wouldn't say exclusive, but I, I, just, I just want to... Um, have bands uh, that not had the chance in the past to play often in Europe and uh, yeah. that people crave for many years to see and, and stuff mm. like this. It's getting harder every year, but... Uh, <laughs> I would imagine so. <laughs> there's not there's not a, an infinite number of bands that you can resurrect from the dead. You know? <laughs> yes, and uh, the 80s was... Even in, in the 80s, there were a lot of bands, but it's uh, limited, even in the 80s. So... Um, we will have to see what uh, what's going on with that, but uh, it was easier some some years ago. I have to be honest about this. <laughs> okay, uh, so let's just go back to the start, if you don't mind. I know that the first Keep It True was in two thousand and three, but you also have Hammer of Doom, Metal Assault, which is on hiatus, I believe. Harder than Steel, which is also on hiatus, and Hammer and Iron. Am I missing any, or are those your full portfolio of festivals? Um, well, before we did uh, Metal Assault, uh, the festival was called a Thrash Assault. Mm. Uh, we did uh, three, no, four, three or four. It's such a long time ago. Okay. Uh, a thrash Assault, but um, it was limited to, to thrash bands and uh, old school thrash bands. And um, when you do this uh, after three or four editions, you are so limited with the bands. And yeah. you... you, you you at least have to have a, a good headliner that draws, and uh, especially in on good thrash headliners, it's very rare to get a band that is drawing a lot without wanting uh, one hundred thousand euros to play. And, okay. <laughs> uh, so, so we opened it up to uh, metal assault to have a broader approach to the bands, and so it, it was kind of a little, a little keep it true. Um, but uh, we we stopped it because. Uh, this was all before COVID, and it was so hard to get uh, bands for both festivals that happened within two or three months. Or yeah. 
three or four months time. Of, of course, so, yeah. So I, I, I just said mm, that makes no sense, and it, it was similar with Harder Than Steel, which was in a in a in a small smaller venue in Dittigheim next to Lauder Königshofen, yeah, which only hold uh, six hundred people, but um, also it's a matter of time because uh, uh, many many people always when I talk to people they always think uh, I do this as my profession or anything like this. Mm. But actually, it's just my hobby. It's uh, I have a daily nine to five job, and everything I do uh, uh, aside from my job is the festival stuff and everything. And uh, it came to a point when it uh, all got too much, so I need so I needed to reduce some stuff. Yeah. And, um, well, COVID changed it a little bit because um, you had a lot of time to do nothing. <laughs> Sure, so, of course. Uh, Keep it true. Rising was born and everything, so that uh, it was a lot of fun, as you as you realized. And uh, why 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 not continuing it? Very good. And uh, so you you started Keep it True or Keep it True, sorry, in two thousand and three with your partner Tarek Magari. Yes. Am I pronouncing his name right? Yes. Okay. And what was the inspiration behind starting Keep it True? Um. Before um, we we thought about uh, doing Keep It True, I was I was I was a metal fan um, since the mid '80s, and um, I started writing for fanzines in the early '90s. I was writing for uh, two different fanzines, and then uh, start started writing to uh, metal magazines like uh, Heavy. Odavas and uh, Rock Hard and then there forever. Yeah. In this time, I I got in contact with so many musicians and labels and everything, and um, I had the basis uh, and the knowledge to to start a festival because without connections and everything, you can't do anything. And in my in my youth, I was very very uh, much into studying. Uh, metal it's not only the the passion for it i was mm. i was reading everything um encyclopedias of heavy metal and everything i back then i could tell you um when you tell me the album uh, i could tell you song number four playing time and all that stuff you know <laughs> i was a real maniac in this kind of uh, stuff that, that's why i started the fanzine stuff mm. because i was so enthusiastic and uh i was always uh I had a big soft spot for the for the underground uh, because uh, I always wanted to support these bands. Mm. And, um, in the early two thousands, the scene was for for underground metal um, was completely dead. There yeah. was like nothing. It was still the the, the end of the of the nineties, uh, where where all these uh, the traditional heavy metal bands were struggling. Maiden and Priest were not as big anymore, and all this stuff. And it even even hit more the the, the underground bands because they had no chance to play anywhere. And especially all the U.S. metal bands, they never had a a chance to play over in Europe. Yeah, even even bands that that are big bigger now, like Omen and and Manila Road and everything like this. They never played here in the eighties. Never, mm, mm. Angle, all these bands, and uh, my idea was to start a festival to give these bands a chance to play in Europe. Okay. Uh, back back then, it was uh, it it seemed like a like a long shot because uh, 
I I, I thought nobody would come, and um, <laughs> because this was even, of course, there was internet, but there was no connection like nowadays with social media and everything. So you did not know how big the foundation for this kind of music is. It was mainly yeah. through uh, metal magazines, letters, emails, and stuff, but uh, not corresponding uh, through through uh, social media. So mm. you had no clue. And uh, in, in the first edition, there were about 600, 600 or 700 people or something, yeah. which was for us a big success because uh, we did not even uh, think we could uh, recoup everything on, on the first one. Yeah. Because I, I, I just booked the bands that I liked most. And uh, mm. um, I met Tarek, I think, one or two years before that with his band uh, Majesty. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. They were a local band here and they were playing all the little shows here. And I uh, I liked their first Keep It True CD, went to the shows because it was closed and everything. So we got in touch, talked, and he had a backline, he had a, a PA rental stuff and everything. So I asked him, shall, shall we do a, a festival like this? And he was mm. up for it. And, uh, that's how we gave birth to Keep It True. <laughs> okay, so you mentioned you didn't know if you'd recoup your investment. Was the first Keep It True a, a financial success? Um, I wouldn't call it financial success. It, I would call, uh, I would say uh, we we recouped the expenses, and that and that's it. Uh, but I was happy with that because um, it actually till today it was never done because of the money. Of yeah. course, if if you if you if you gain money and you have success and everything, it's 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 perfect when you do stuff you love. But even if we just break even, I'm fine with it. Uh, I have no problem with that because it's not my daily job. And um, back then we broke even, and that that was the the cause why we could continue. Because if we would have had a big loss with the first festival, mm. who knows what have happened? Because. Uh, Times were not as good for for this kind of music like they are now, and uh, maybe maybe uh, the whole scene would have not been like it is now. Sure. Um, so going back to that, then, well, like you said, um, you you saw an opening for a festival, especially with the American bands who hadn't really played in Europe, the likes of Omen, Manila Road, etc. But had you booked any gigs before this? Or was this your first attempt at booking musicians? Actually, this this was my very first uh, uh, concert I ever booked in my life, <laughs> and it was a festival. <laughs> and it was a festival, and it was like uh, in, in Germany we say we we just jumped into cold water. <laughs> okay. And um, we had actually it was it was the first one was complete chaos. To be honest, mm. we had no clue how to organize. There was no. Uh, no sponsor, nobody uh, helping. We, we we did most of the stuff ourselves. Mm. And it was, I think it was 11 bands already on the first festival, which is a lot yeah. <laughs> for one day. And I remember it was uh, not uh, on the April date like it is now. It was in the mid of July in the yeah. summer. And it was one of the hottest days of the year. And, <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> yes. And it was, it was horrible. And, uh, we we had to build up everything ourselves. We had to clean up everything ourselves, and we we did not even expect so many people. And uh, I mean, it was a positive shock for us, but uh, the work 
was was unbelievable uh, mm. uh exhausting and this continued for the first uh four or five festivals and after that we we needed to make a change because uh we could not do this and uh for a long time because we we were uh so exhausted after every festival that it it killed mm. all the spirit in the end but um so so what was the change that you made then after the first four or five festivals um after after every festival we had more people coming mm. and uh, the festival was uh, growing from time to time so uh we thought we invested more money into cleaning services after the show okay and uh, invested into more manpower on 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 every every kind of uh, positions uh, on the festival not only the cleaning also the the pa guys the stage guys uh uh, people uh, doing the drinks and everything. So uh, we split up all the, the work to others. Of course, it costed more money then, mm. but it was worth it because finally you 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 could enjoy your own festival because uh, on the first uh, few festivals, <laughs> you were just running around and not seeing uh, anything from the bands yourself. So it was not satisfying for us either. <laughs> Sure. Okay. So to go back to the very first one, so you had the likes of Omen, Brockus Helm. Um, how do you get like in two thousand and three? You're saying like the internet is kind of primitive back then, and many bands like that probably wouldn't have even had websites. There was no social media, of course, really in two thousand and three. How did you get in touch with the likes of Omen, Brockus Helm, that type of band? Um, how did you make those connections? I know you probably had some from the the magazine days, but how did you actually contact them to ask them to play at the festival? Well, uh, it was especially funny with Broker Sound because um, um, back then you were able to, in the internet, you were able to look into a, a, a phone book, an online phone book. Right. <laughs> that was the only thing you can, you, you could not search for a name or anything. You could, you could uh, look up phone books uh, from America. And, okay. <laughs> and I only knew. Uh, the name Jim Schumacher from mm. San Francisco. <laughs> right. So I looked up the phone book for uh, Schumacher in uh, in San Francisco. And of course, there were tons of Schumacher without uh, uh, another name added. Mm. And there was James Schumacher and uh, tons of... And I, I just uh, called maybe 30 or 40 of them till I found the real one. Okay. <laughs> this was the old school uh, uh, way of booking. <laughs> so did you say, are you the James Schumacher from Brockus Helm? Yeah, I called him. Uh, I, I, are you are you uh, Jim Schumacher? And uh, and most of the guys said, what, what the fuck do you want? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but, but, but finally, uh, I reached him and he was happy and... Uh, uh, he gave me his email address and everything, so that was way mm. easier then. Of course, but, um, yeah. With Omen and all the other bands, uh, I had contact through uh, labels because they had label, uh, because Omen released their reunion album back then. So okay, it yeah. was easier to catch, get in touch with the, with uh, uh, via the label. Yeah. But, uh, many of these other bands, I just had to find out through personal connections. Or through just uh, uh, looking through an uh, international phone book. This was so, so. So did you do that phone book thing more than once? Uh, I think I did it for three or four bands at least. Wow. <laughs> okay. 
That's a that's 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 a blast from the past right there. <laughs> oh well, yes. <laughs> okay, um, so keep it true. One is is in the bag. Um, did you ever intend it to be an annual festival, or when the first one did well, did you just say, okay, let's do another one? Um, when we did the first one, we thought, let's see how it works, and then after that, we decide if we do another one, mm. and. After we calculated all the money uh, after the first one, we said, oh, no loss. Let's do another one. And from the second one, it's it started to get into a routine somehow because we had more people and everything. And we started to sell the tickets for the next year on the, on the year before, on the actual year. So it was easy to get the, the tickets directly to the fans. Mm. And... Uh, because it's easier for the people. They don't need to order tickets, uh, pay postage and all that stuff. They just yeah. pick up the ticket at the merchandise and come next mm. year. And that Very was the solution. And uh, from, from then on, this was kind of a ritual uh, from every year on. And it it's continues till today. But, but for, for a long period of time, you were doing a festival in April and then in November of the same year. Um, so you did that 20, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007, um, 2008. For, for a long time, right up until 2009, actually, you were doing two festivals per year. Um, kind of like what you're doing now with Keep It True and Keep It True Rising, even though I know the actual Keep It True festival hasn't happened for a number of years. But when did you realize that the market was kind of strong enough that you could that you could do two festivals per year or what made you confident enough to do two festivals per year? Um, the difference um, back then was that uh, the, the first ones we did uh, all in Lauda, but then we tried to experiment a little bit and uh, we did uh, one in the autumn in Dittigheim in the smaller venue. This was the one with Leatherwolf. Mm. And then we did uh, one in the Posthalle Mm. Uh, this was the one with uh, Flotsam and Jetsam and Nasty Savage, and um, it was it was kind of experimenting, and uh, I I I I did not know it was now with Keep It To Rising, it's it feels kind of different, I think, because uh, maybe it's also because of COVID, because mm. uh, people were just so happy that stuff is happening again. Absolutely, and it was, yeah. It, it, it was like a, it was like. A, there was more enthusiasm and everything into it. And people really appreciate the post much more than in the past because mm. the post changed a lot because they, they invested money in, in uh, changing it. And the post uh, back in, when was it? 2010 or no, 2009. I can't remember too many festivals. <laughs> That's all right. All right. And um, uh, it was way different. The stage was on the complete other side of the venue and okay. was, everything was completely different and you, you could not even compare it to nowadays. Mm. And uh, now people are very, very um, uh, happy with the postal and everything. So there's a different approach to it. And I think it makes it much more easier now to do this like in the past. And uh, now you also have more bands and, and stuff available. The internet uh, is giving you much more chances to get in touch with bands, talk to bands. Yes. And back then, it was really, really a pain in the ass. Well, going through the phone book, ringing up. Uh, yes, I mean, <laughs> I mean, later it was not the phone book needed anymore. But yeah, yeah. still, the 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 
now you find every everyone on Facebook or, or somewhere else. Uh, but of course, that that this was not there, and uh, mm -hmm. the options were much less than it's nowadays. And uh, yeah, that that that's the big difference from yeah. back then to now. So as the festival moved on in years, um, you became known for having exclusive sets, maybe an old school set from a band, maybe their only German show that year, uh, or they might play a full album. How did those negotiations go with bands and, and why did you decide to start doing that? Was that the set keep it true apart from other gigs or other festivals? Um, of course, we want to do something special to to make the whole festival uh, kind of special and um, the people coming to 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 keep it true are kind of already expecting something special nowadays mm. even though it gets uh, uh, harder and harder to have uh, uh, surprise gigs and um, special sets and everything but the the initial idea was for me because I I'm a huge fan of all these bands I book myself Yes, and I always want to have the best possible set they can play, and mm. uh, it's 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 crazy. But when you talk with bands, sometimes they don't even know what's best for them because you know how bands can be. <laughs> of course, yeah. Well, I remember this year. Um, uh, uh, what's the guys? The singer from Satan. He was like, uh, "Well, Brian when Ross. we originally, Brian, is it Brian? Yeah, yeah, Brian Ross. Yeah, he's like, when we uh were starting to talk about this gig, we wanted the they wanted us to do an old school set and he's like well i'm kind of a bit disappointed because i wanted to play and he said x song and uh but he, he still obviously did an old school set so like i suppose my next question was like how do bands receive this like are are they always happy to do what you're asking them to do or do you get any resistance from them um it always depends on the band but um i think for 90 percent they are happy with it mm. because um and sometimes you just have to kick bands in their asses to uh, <laughs> to have uh, nice experiences themselves because they just don't get it. It's it's really like this. For many bands, the newest album is their is their best. It's I mean I understand it because what you work on actually should be for yourself the best you do. Yeah, but um, you can they can play all these these new stuff and standard sets everywhere mm. in the world. But Keep It True is uh, is known for having this special stuff. Mm. So I always try to. I mean, I I don't I don't push any band or force any band or anything. Mm. Um, I have always a very good connection to all these guys, and we talk like like friends about this yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I, I give them the option. Mm. Would that would that be uh, okay for you to do something like this for us? Because mm. people people receive it much uh, better than if you do yeah. a normal set, and this may attract more people. And uh, there are so many stuff you can uh, talk to bands about it. Mm. And, uh, to me, uh, when you do this stuff, you remember it much much more through through yeah. tips than uh, if a band plays the same set all the time. It's uh, just something special for everyone, not only for the festival, for the fans and for the bands too. So True. I mean, you got you got Saxon to play their 40th anniversary set, even though they were in the middle of their Carpe Diem tour yes. uh, this year. So that was actually quite special because I was with several people who'd never seen Saxon before, or, or at least some people who'd never seen Saxon before. Um, and I think they were very happy to see the 
40th anniversary set, maybe more so than they would have been to see the, the Carpe Diem set, which would have had maybe five or six songs from the recent album. Yes. I mean, that was a lucky coincidence because our, our main sound guy, Jackie, is also the, the official sound guy for Saxon. So, uh, um, it was easier to talk to Biff about it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, but with bigger uh, bands, it's much more complicated than with smaller bands. That's, that's for sure true. I would imagine. I mean, I know you had advertised Blind Guardian as doing an old school set. And I know some people came away from that saying that it mightn't really have been as old school as as it was suggested. <laughs> what, what do you feel? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, the, the stuff with Blind Guardian was a bit... Um, uh, they themselves see some some songs they played more old school than old fans think it would be yeah. old school. Yeah. So for them, a song that's 10 years old is old school and mm. uh, for uh, fans from the first few albums, it's new shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, some people think Brave New World is a new Iron Maiden album as well. Yeah, exactly, like, you know, exactly. You're never going to get true to those people. Like, so so with, with these bands, it's always a narrow path to walk on because um, you can only get that far. And I told them, please um, try to to put as many old songs in the set as possible and mm. the bands will pay you back that because uh, this is a uh, this is not a Wacken or this is not a uh, I don't know Barcelona Rockfest or anything like this Hellfest yeah. whatever yeah, yeah or Hellfest or anything like this mm. uh, here are the old school maniacs and they 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 cheer for the old stuff mm. and what the band makes out of it I mean, we talked about it, and we decided. They said okay, uh, but then the setlist was uh, a little bit different than it was supposed to be. But it was still okay. It was uh, maybe not what what some people were expecting, but it was still okay. And uh, there's no bad blood or anything like this. And uh, <sighs> well, I mean, they went down very well. I mean, I was at yes. that, and the, the the audience reaction was very strong um but so when you say you're negotiating with bands and you're talking about old school sets are you actually speaking to their management or how does that negotiation work well um most of the times with the with the musicians themselves okay uh, it always depends of course uh, on the size of the band mm. and uh if i have direct contact or not and um, okay for um for some bands, I need to go through a booker or manager. Uh, for others, uh, I just talk to the bands directly. Uh, luckily, we don't have so many big bands, so it makes it easier to get the mm. direct contact. And um, since we do it since this year, it's actually uh, 20 years now, keep it true. <laughs> yes. And um, since 20 years now, I, I met so many people and I would say... Uh, 90% uh, I'm still friends with. There was mm. never... Uh, of course, you always have a few people you 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 never get along with, but uh, yeah, with, with the festival... If you, if you talk to 90% of the bands, they will have a good word about QB2. I'm, I'm sure about that because I'm, I'm still in touch with most of them. And mm. uh, it's not well, only with the festival. It's, it's also a personal thing because yeah. we don't only talk about the music stuff. It's beyond that, and maybe maybe the people feel more comfortable if they mm. got accepted like this, and then they open up more for uh, special shows. 
Sure. I mean, like, it, it, it's obvious to see when similar bands or the same bands appear again and again and again. Like, not every year, obviously, but every few years you see similar bands um, appearing again and again at Keep It True festivals. So you obviously maintain good relationships with a lot of them. Although you did have a, a bit of a falling out with the band Sphinx this time last year. Uh, there was a bit of a thing on Facebook about that. Um, reflecting back on that, do you, do you regret anything about that incident from from my side there's nothing to regret actually because uh actually i did nothing (laughs) um the band was treated like uh all other bands on the building they were treated uh uh, like uh the co-headliners or the openers it's it's always the same for us they have all the same catering they have all the same food they have all the same lights they have all the same um dressing rooms and everything it's there's yeah. no difference to me and these mm. these are just young guys who who want to live that uh you know ruhrpott uh, uh thrash uh uh rebellious image and uh, i think they just wanted to have some some uh attention by attacking me with that so uh, okay i mean yeah. I mean, and you did respond publicly to it, and you mentioned at the time that you don't you don't normally do that. So it must have kind of got to you in some way. Yeah, because uh, um, I don't uh, I don't want to have anyone uh, talk uh, shit about me publicly, uh, and because you you have to see, um, it's not only about myself. I have a daughter uh, as a teenager and everything, and if if she sees on the internet that someone is talking mm. uh har- very harsh words actually about me yeah. what shall she think and these mm. these guys never think about these things because uh too close minded for that stuff sure. i mean I, I i normally don't do oh, uh, ever do dirty laundry no. in, the, in the public because why should i do that but if if i get dismissed uh, publicly like this i just have to react to that because uh I don't want to people think that I uh, did anything wrong or stupid in in this mm. case because it was uh, not the case. At the time, uh, Jason Tarpey from Eternal Champion joined in the conversation. He defended the band Sphinx, and you went online and you said you were selling all of your Eternal Champion albums. Mm-hmm. Um, have you and Jason spoken since then, or is, was that the end of your relationship? No, that was the end because. Uh, he posted and dismissed uh, very personal stuff of me online, and uh, I will never talk to that person again. That is below the line to me, and I'm I'm not like this person that is doing that back uh, online about it. So I just quit it. Okay, fair enough. Okay, look, moving on to more positive things. Um, you reunited Heavy Load after 33 years in 2018. Um, how many years did it take you to get to convince them to appear at Keep It True? Oh well, uh since since I started the festival, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a very, very hard task. This was maybe the toughest nut I ever had to crack, I would okay. say. <laughs> it took me I I I even visited the band in, in Stockholm at their home mm. to talk to talk to them about it and uh it took such a long time, I think especially for the for the the show that finally happened it took me at least four or five years of preparation just for this show 
Mm. And I, I I try to persuade them since since uh, 2003. So uh, wow, okay. It, it it they were always uh, very high on the list of bands I always wanted, mm. and uh, I I remember I I was calling since 2003. I I got the the the, the phone number from 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 Frombook. <laughs> no, not from Frombook. From a from, joking, a, from, joking, from joking. a Greek friend back then. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> who had uh, who had contact with uh, with Ragnar, and I got mm. the phone number. And I since two thousand three, I called Ragnar every year, once a year, uh, to wish him a happy new year and asking him about when we do a show. And, and what was the response? I, I assume he just said no. Um, he didn't say no. He always say, mm, "Let's see, maybe we need more time." And it was always the same, you know. Yeah. And uh, they were always pushing it back and back and back, uh, never saying no, but always uh, giving a, a very little glimpse of a chance so you can still go on and asking. And mm. then finally, they made the deal with uh, No Remorse Records, and they No Remorse helped a lot uh, with that. Yeah. Mm. And um, then I visited them at, at Ragnar's home and... Uh, uh, we talked a lot, uh, walked through deep snow around uh, the house. It was like uh, uh, like a special mission uh, somehow. And uh, we walked through a, through a Swedish uh, history museum together talking about this. And okay. uh, that was kind of crazy. And even after uh, I went to Stockholm, it, it took still two years or something. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and... Uh, they are really, really lovely guys, and uh, they are nowadays they are really close friends of mine, and we talk all the time about everything. Ragnar is writing mm. a book, and everything he sent me the first uh, thirty pages of it to to read first, mm. and stuff like this. Uh, but it's it's really hard to get them to do to make this decision finally. Mm. And uh, actually. A few weeks before the festival, I was still uh, in fear it would not happen. <laughs> right. Because they, they changed uh, their mind all the time. But mm. we we did everything we could do for them. They were very appreciated and everything. And uh, so finally it went down. And I think even though after such a long time, they, they hadn't played since 1986. After such a long time, it was a good show to me. Of course, they improved uh, on the up the hammers they played later because now they got back on stage and uh, they they knew how it is again, yeah. so they could improve. Uh, and I think on the next show or the next one or two shows they will do in the future, I think it will e will be even better. They are a great band and uh, great guys, very unique. And, yeah. Um, yes. Well, well, they haven't actually played since 2018, though, have they? Ah, uh, they played at Sweden Rock. And the, se the, the year after uh, Up the Hammers, I think. Okay. But, okay, so it's still a few years, though, since they've yeah, played. Yeah, it's, it's already... Do you, and do you think that they will play again? Um, well... No, you don't I, need I, to reveal I, any of your secrets now. But, no, uh... <laughs> no, no, no. It's not, it's not part of my secrets, but I uh, honestly, I wouldn't rule it out. And uh, uh, I... So I they mean, played a Sweden Rock in 2018. I just checked here. Yes. Um, so same year as they played to keep it true. Yes, and uh, I would do them again if if they are ready again. So uh, I like the guys. I think the the fans like the guys. So there's nothing against it. 
Okay. Um, another band. <clears throat> now, it wasn't their first gig back, but it was their second gig back after a long break was Sirith Ungol, uh, who played at uh, Keep It True in 2017. Were you instrumental in getting that band back together? Were you ringing them every year since 2003 as well? Or how did um, that come about? Actually, it was a bit similar. <laughs> But uh, since I, I didn't uh, want to call uh, in the USA back then all the time, yeah. I always wrote emails to Rob Garvin, mm. and I never got an answer back. <laughs> okay. And some sometimes it took years to get an answer back from Rob. And mm. um, he always was... Uh, when I first asked him, he was still disillusioned by the business. Yes. Because after... Um, the last album they 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 lost the complete uh faith into uh record labels and in the mm. scene and in into everything and mm. they thought they are shit and it needed a lot of time and uh, uh talking into them to mm. even be ready to talk about anything yeah and um but i i i i never stopped talking to them and um then I found out uh, about this uh, the local band uh, Night Demon from Ventura. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was in touch with uh, with Jarvis about it, mm. and um, I asked him uh, to talk to them too, because he, they could support them locally with the rehearsal room and everything like this. Mm. And uh, Jarvis was also very active in the scene. He did the Frost and Fire then. Yeah, and. Um, Finally, we were able to meet in person uh, at the first Frost and Fire, which and they play or they played Frost and Fire first, and then they played Keep It True. Uh, no, they did uh, the, the year before. They did uh, just a signing session, all of them. Oh, was that it? Okay, all they, right. They didn't. They didn't play there, and um, uh, they did just a signing session, and there was no reunion announced or or uh, discussed uh -huh. or anything to that date. But uh, on that day, we went to uh, on, on the other side of the street of Frost and Fire. There is a, a sushi bar, mm. and uh, we just Jarvis, me, and the the band went to the sushi bar to talk about it. And there we we made the reunion. <laughs> actually, in the sushi bar where where we didn't eat anything or drink anything, we just discussed it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and. Uh, Part of it was they made the uh, the the signing session at Frost and Fire, and I invited uh, Tim and Rob also for a signing session at Kiwi Two, and mm. I just wanted them. I paid the flights and everything, and uh, I just wanted them to see what it is like and how the how the fans react to them because they were still unsure about this, mm. they didn't even know that they are a cult band or anything like this. And uh, then but they after, but they did play at Frost and Fire the year yes, before they, they played. In, yes. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to clarify that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They played Frost and Fire, and uh, this was the deal with Jarvis that they play uh, his festival first. Yes. And then they play the first European show at uh, Keep It True. Okay, but you were involved in all those conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. I was always. Uh, on top of the uh, of the news there <laughs> and like when when you're contacting bands like Sarah Dungle or Heavy Load who haven't played in decades do you ever feel like you might be pestering them or annoying them or anything or do you just keep 
keep going until they finally give in <laughs> actually actually i'm very very careful and uh sensitive with that because uh i actually okay. never want to annoy or uh, pestering uh, a band or a guy um yeah. of course in the beginning i try uh, a little bit more than than usual but mm. when i when i have the feeling that this person is withdrawing himself and he's really not uh, into it and not wanting it i just uh, step back again okay so so if they like you were saying like with heavy load they never said no so if they leave the door open then yeah. you feel it's okay to come back again and ask again well they they never said any bad thing about contacting or anything like this yeah so i kept on trying and fair. Uh, that's fair enough uh, um Rob, Rob, uh, <laughs> it was funny because a few weeks ago, Rob sent me the first email I sent to him ever because he found it on his old computer. Oh, and, nice. <laughs> uh, it was it was funny because uh, uh, we visited them um, last October, uh, mm. to October 2022. And uh, we went to Rob's home and met with Tim and everything went to oh, lovely. And, uh, stuff like this. And uh since since then we are really really it's it's similar to 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 heavy load we are very close friends and it actually normally when we meet we don't talk about music and stuff we just talk about uh, like like normal friends do and uh yeah, yeah because all the music stuff is it's everything is talked about it already of course everything's <laughs> been said yes <laughs> what and, else uh, can you we, say and the band is very very happy that they did it and uh, they are very successful with everything and uh uh, they are just happy that they finally uh, made this step. And yeah. this is also something I can tell other bands that are doubtful still. I, I tell them, look at Heavy Load, look at Sirius Angles, look yeah. at all these bands that, mm. that, that, fin that, that they did not want to do it in the beginning, but finally yeah. they did it and they are so happy in life yeah. now. And, uh, it and was they don't regret it. Hmm? And, sorry, and they don't regret it. No, they don't regret it at all. Yeah. It's it's it made their lives better. Actually, mm. they they finally get all that the all that recognition they never had in the eighties. Absolutely okay. You mentioned something earlier, and I wanted to ask you about it. So you said you like all the bands that you feature on Keep It True, but mm. obviously over the years, with twenty years of festivals and all the other festivals you do, do you have to be a fan? of all the bands that you book or will you book a, f a band that you know the fans will like even if you don't like them i can i can truly say that every band i ever booked i i at least like a lot okay so, but um, would you book a band that you didn't like if you knew that the keep it true fans would receive them well or does that band just not exist <laughs> um if I if I would dislike a band um, music wise, I wouldn't book them. Okay, all right. That's that's and that's that's, that's the, the point uh, where I'm saying this is still my 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 hobby and free time stuff. And yeah. if I'm completely not into a band, I would not even think of it. So um, that's the difference to to commercial festivals. They just yes. they just book what the the fans want to see, but mm. um, to to me it's just uh, booking the bands that I would like to have to play on my birthday or something. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It, it it gives you confidence as a fan as well because 
For years, I, I didn't go to Keep It True, but I looked at the posters. I, I, they were shared online. The posters are always fantastic, by the way. They always look so well. And um, I'd be looking at the bands and I'd be like, I know some of these bands. I don't know the other bands, but I, I have confidence that I will like all of the bands because of the bands that are headlining or the bands that are second down the bill or whatever. And um, uh, obviously it comes from your own music taste, uh, which is shared by the fans of Keep It True. So it's it's probably not a bad policy that you have to like all the bands because it seems to have worked well for you so far. Yes, and it's and it's actually a blessing to, to have so many people liking my musical taste, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, that's that's not usual, I guess. <laughs> well, there's obviously a market for it. Um, can I ask you another question then? How do you feel about people who say that the likes of Riot City or other bands like that, Night Demon or something, should be higher up the bill than they are? So Keep It True still more or less has legacy acts in the headline spots, but it does feature bands that are up and coming, you might call new wave of traditional heavy metal, if you want to use that term. And there is a, a vocal minority, probably, of people who say, well, this band should be way higher up the bill. How do you feel about that? And 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 why do you continue to feature the legacy acts as the headliners? Um, there are different answers to that questions, actually. Question, actually. Um, first of all, uh, one of the big points is for the, the the old bands is that you never know how how long you will be able to see these bands because um just look at manila road and uh yeah a lot all these bands it's it will be never be possible to to experience these bands live ever and um it's sure. very important that you that you try to get these bands as long as they can still play as good as they can do now and uh, that's also very important for me because many of the young uh, generation they never had the chance to to see these 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 cult bands from the 80s and stuff uh that's why i i, I and of course, I'm the biggest fan of these uh, myself too. That's mm. why uh, I, I I will never change uh, booking these bands in the billing. But of course, uh, I also like a lot of the the younger bands. And when you, for example, look at uh, uh, the the upcoming uh, Keep It True on uh, in April, uh, mm. we have a band like like Visigoth very high yes. now. I did and, notice that, yeah, yeah. And this is always depending on how it fits in the lineup. Mm. And uh, I, I also did higher, uh, higher uh, slots for for younger bands too. And this will also happen in the future. And I always book this stuff from my actually from my guts and from my feeling how it how it fits best. Mm. Um, Honestly, uh, I would have, I or would or should have put Riot City higher in the billing on, on Kid Rising too. Mm. But when I booked them, the billing was so far already um, mm. that I couldn't do them any higher, actually. And uh, because you have bands are talking and you need to promise them certain slots and everything, at least at the, at the not the exact slot, but mm. a certain position midfield opener or something stuff like this yeah. and what 
I, I know Riot City for a long time now, and uh, they they were starting. They, they should have played on the the, the, the Kiwi Tour before COVID. And yes, there they were one of the opener bands too, and um, so it was hard uh, to 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 raise them much higher in the billing. But uh, from the reactions wise, of course, they could have played higher. That's there's no doubt mm. about that. But mm. I also think um, uh, even uh, also in the future. Um, these young bands also uh, need to have a certain respect for all these uh, these old bands uh, because without many of these, they wouldn't even be here. And um, that's True. also a, a point for me. And um, imagine Im there was talks that, for example, I mean, this is a different scene, but that except are supporting Sabaton and uh well i saw i saw a gig where except supported sabaton in, yes. in dublin in ireland and to me to me that's that's uh I, I i wouldn't do that actually because um that is that is a form of, of respect to to a legendary band and I, I i wouldn't do that at my own festival actually but except I, agreed to it though hmm? except agreed to it yes of course they agreed to it because they 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 thought they can expand their uh their um their their audience of fans or their their buyers of their CDs, but um, well, well to give you an example, like except don't really play in Ireland. They did many years ago. I think it was two thousand and nine mm -hmm. uh, when um uh what's his name? The new singer had recently joined. Um, um yeah, and they played in a very small club called the Village. Um, but when they supported Sabaton, they played in a 1500 seater yes. called Vicker Street. Um, now, I don't think Accept could have filled that venue themselves, yes. but when they were playing Support the Sabaton, it was a packed venue. I know. I understand the, the concept of respect and all of that, but like uh, at the same time, sometimes newer bands uh, are more of a draw than the older bands, and respect yeah. is maybe something that needs to be considered but possibly it's not commercially viable <laughs> yeah but um that that's the next point on 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 kb2 there there's uh, there's uh, the commercial point is not so existent at the festival actually yeah so um the last the last ones were not so uh, representative for for the for the actual uh, situation right now because the last uh, kid rising was a celebration of the new wave of British heavy metal, and yes. in that case, it would have been very strange if I would have had young bands on the top slots. And no, uh, absolutely, the, yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's it's always it's always depending on the situation, and you will see uh, when I will announce uh, Kid Rising uh, three stuff. Hopefully, very soon, mm. it it will look a little bit different than before. Okay, and it, can I ask, do you have a, a plan of action for when the likes of the bands that you do book in the headline slots are no longer available? Do you have like a, a succession of, well, I'll move this band up or I'll move that band up? Um, and uh, like, do you see, let's say you're still doing this in 10 years time. Do you see the likes of Visigoth or I don't know, even Seven Sisters or Night Demon or somebody like that occupying the higher spots on the bill? That's that's actually uh, a question that I think no one can answer right now, because we all don't know what 
is happening when the old ones are finally gone. Mm. If the people still come in that amount to the shows or not. That's that's a big difference. And uh, the, the thing is that many new bands, of course, there are uh, other examples for this, but um, many of the new bands, they don't have the longevity uh, right now because they many bands do two or three albums and then it's not working out as they, they plan it because with sales, it's not like it was in the 80s back then. And yeah. uh, you only get money from merchandise and from playing gigs, yeah, but, but not from sales at all. And mm. uh, bands in the 80s, they got support from the labels, could mm. could could do ten albums <laughs> in a row without any problems. Yeah, but nowadays it, the situation is much more uh, like a fast food mentality, also from the fans actually. And mm. you, you have you have you have bands coming, new bands coming out every week somewhere, and it's even hard to choose uh, which which band is uh, is the best newcomer right now. And sure. Um, but like if, if a band, for example, like say Seven Sisters got a higher billing on yes. a Keep It True festival, people might take them more seriously. Yeah, but uh, actually I on the on the first rising I put them actually already uh, in the in the midfield area. But Oh I know, I know. I'm not talking about the last time, but I'm just yeah. talking about in general in the future. Um it it works, you know, from both sides in that like um if they were given higher billing, people might be more exposed to them, which might make them more popular, which might make them have a more longevity. Yeah, but the the, the on the other hand, it has to be a process. It cannot it cannot be from from one day to the other because uh, it's it's not working like this. And uh, I always realize uh, if I would only book younger bands, I I would never have the amount of people there. Like if I have headliners like I had last time or the the, the, the in the past from Kibi Two, that's mm. that's just a, a fact to it. Uh, for example, if I would do a, a headliner like uh, I don't know Enforcer or Ambush mm. or anything like this, it would they would be a good headliner and everything, but the draw would not be comparable to the draw. That is uh, happening right now. That's uh, also a truth. I I completely understand, but I think maybe at this at this stage when when a lot of those headlining bands are so old, the tide is kind of turning at the moment, and there 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 probably needs to be a gradual shift of those younger bands into those slots that were previously occupied by the older bands. Yes, and that's why I'm doing it uh, in a very smooth and. Um, thoughtful way to to get these bands in a in a bit higher positions uh and like I mean, I said, see, seeing busy got playing second down the bill at keep it true was excellent and I, I was so happy to see that so that's a, that's a that's a great move in the right direction in my opinion sorry this is only my opinion not yeah not and, and, else's. and and uh like i said you can do that only step by step and only yeah. with, with with a handful of bands and um it's like you just need to wait how the development of everything is, and uh, I I really can't tell what uh, the billings will look like in three or four years. It's actually impossible for me to say. Mm. Sure, of course, nobody can. Nobody can really predict the future. Uh, so, but on that note, though, in your own mind, what do you 
feel the future is of Keep It True? Is is it going to continue as Keep It True in April and or March, whatever, or and then Keep It True rising later in the year? Is that your plan for the next few years? I hope it will be. If if the new one will be received uh, as well as the other ones, I'm pretty sure we will co uh, continue with it because if if people want to see it, I will do it. There's there's no nothing that speaks against it. If numbers go down in a, uh, or anything like this, I may just concentrate on on, on uh, the April one. But uh, okay. this is also uh, it's actually still like the first uh, keep it true with it. We we wait how it goes and then mm. look further. So that's the only chance we have, especially in 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 these times we have right now. So much can change so suddenly. Of course. Uh, be, I mean, when you think of before COVID times and before war times, everything was so easy to plan in advance. And now yeah, all that safety is gone from from like one second to the other. It's uh, it def really crazy. It definitely is. Yeah, yeah, you're completely right. Um, And is there any, I don't know if you want to reveal this or not, but are there any bands that you would have loved to have got for a Keep It True or any of your festivals that you haven't been able to get yet? Or maybe you don't want to reveal this. You can let me know. Uh, well, I have to think about that. Well, I would have loved to to do Blue Oyster Cult. Oh yes, uh, but that does not seem very possible in any future, actually. <laughs> okay. Uh, but this is just for monetary reasons, not from anything else. So uh, it's yeah. just too too way uh, too way too far away from from what we can do. Sure. And. Uh, well, there's always something, uh, especially from from underground cult bands. Mm. I always wanted to do a, a, um, a new wave of British heavy metal cult band uh, called Incubus. Okay, I have I, never even heard of them. Oh, yeah, you can ask Fart. He's a, a huge fan of them. <laughs> Incubus. Incubus, yes, not okay. not the, the American poser. Uh, well, no, I, no, I assume not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a. Uh, it's a, a, a new wave of British heavy metal band that recorded one album, and uh, it was never reissued because no one can find the guys. <laughs> yes. Okay, I'm writing this down. Okay. Um, to the Devil, a Daughter is the name of the album. Okay, thanks. Uh, great. Um, what about Gotham City? Have you ever tried to contact them? Oh, well, yes. It's a, it's a similar story to Heavy Load. <laughs> But uh, they they don't want to do it. Uh, and have they, you been, have you been in contact? Have you? Um, I I have not personally been in contact because it's actually difficult to get in touch with them. Yeah, I was in contact through a third person, and okay. they don't even want to reissue their own stuff. That's well, I, I can see that because there's nothing being issued for decades. Yes. Yeah. And I I I don't know what it is uh, about it, but. Um, well, you cannot force someone. So, like I said, I I try and do my best. And uh, if the band does not want it, I cannot do anything about it. It's just uh, the sad truth. Fair enough. Okay, look, 
Uh, Ali, it's been fantastic to speak to you and I really appreciate it. And I appreciate that you answered all my questions and you didn't hold back in the slightest. That just makes for a great interview. And I'd just like to ask you as a final question, is there anything you'd like to say to people who are listening to this who haven't been to any of your festivals? That's Hammer of Doom, Metal Assault, Harder Than Steel, Hammer and Iron, Keep It True, especially Keep It True, though, which is the main one. Is there anything you'd like to say to them to... uh, let them know what they're missing out on if they haven't been before. Well, I think our reputation speaks for itself. And uh, I can only say that there's a very special uh, feeling of community at the festival. You get uh, shows you don't see elsewhere. And it's not an overrun festival like all the huge summer festivals. And um, it's a very good sound, very good uh, location and everything. And... uh, it's like a feeling of camaraderie and uh, not about metal commercialism or anything like this. You just feel like going on a vacation uh, with friends and listening to good metal. And uh, I think that's the best you can have. All right. So that was Ali from Keep It True, organizer of Keep It True and all the other festivals I listed there at the end. It was great to chat to him. I appreciated his candor and his willingness to answer questions that some people may have not wanted to, especially the stuff to do with uh, who tops the bill and why the legacy acts continue to get those top spots. People do tend to talk about this, and it's interesting. Um, His approach, of course, is that he does it as a fan, and he doesn't know how long these bands are going to be around, and it's a matter of respect. So those are noble reasons for placing the Legacy X at the top of the bill, as far as I'm concerned. And from hearing that chat, you'll have learned that Ollie doesn't really do this to make money either. So as he said earlier, it's bands he'd like to play at his own birthday party. So thanks again to Ollie for that anyway. Um, since I recorded this, I've managed to secure a ticket to the Friday and Saturday for Keep It True in April. So I'll be over at that. I had one for the Thursday already. I think I'll give the pre-show a miss. I think four nights in a row of a festival is too much for me at this stage of my life. <laughs> it, I just can't do it. I'll, I'll destroy myself. So yeah, three nights is, sounds good to me. Um, so if anyone's going to that, I'll be there. That's in April. And yeah, just say hello if you see me. Or let me know on Twitter, at Metalcast if you're going to be at that. But that's going to do it for this episode. I will be back next time with a, a news update and... Um, looking at some of the stories that have been in the news recently, looking at some recent releases that I liked and talking about some upcoming festivals and gigs. So, um, yeah, join me again for that. I've been your host, Virgil Trainer, and I'll see you next time. Bye.